Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. On today's show, heartbreak for Arsenal in the Champions League. But what a game. Rachel and I were both there and we're ready to get stuck into every last twist and turn. While Arsenal have a huge fight to get back into the Champions League next season, the future looks very bright after a first ever sold out Emirates Stadium and the atmosphere. Oh my God, it was unreal. We'll also talk about Chelsea after their battling display against Barcelona in the other semi-final. Is the gap in Europe finally closing? And there's WSL title race developments because, well, when isn't there? So dramatic. What a dramatic weekend. Rach, I mean, we've got to get stuck into a very tasty bank holiday weekend. Sun was out. Crowds were vibing. Record-breaking attendance. Um, I mean, what more could you ask for in a fixture like that, apart from a win? Well, for, well, yeah. Uh, first off, I want to start by congratulating both Chelsea and Arsenal for their campaign, their Champions League campaign. It's been such a privilege to be able to follow their journey. I think both teams have done so, so well. Um, and the fact that both of them have been so decimated, I know I touched on this in the last pod, so decimated by injury, you know, it, I feel for them that they weren't able to give a, a true showing of themselves. But what they were able to do, their mentality and their fight, both teams, um, to do what they did, I just think is excellent and is such a promising sign 
um, for English teams in European football. So that's like the first thing I want to say. Um, Love those headline points. Thank you. Yesterday was brilliant. It was lovely. And both games as well were in sunshine because I was in Barcelona for the Chelsea game. And then a lovely sunshine, sunny afternoon at the Emirates, which was incredible. 60,000 people. Noise was amazing. The fans were great. The football was brilliant. Um, And yes, obviously, gutting. Going out in that fashion was gutting. But I just thought the fight and the display was just fantastic. I think the whole day, I think, you know, I was on the way to Emirates. I was walking down Holloway Road, looking into the pubs, the Gooners. Uh, what pub were you in? The Tollington. And who turned up? Leah Williamson to pull some pints. What? Was she a good pint pourer? Uh, obviously. It's Leah Williamson. She's good at everything. I was going to say the deliveries of the uh, the Guinness <laughs> pint pulling must have been absolutely on, on point. point. Yeah, from yeah. one end of the bar to the other, straight down, accurate as ever, yeah. Gosh, so speedy as well. I saw her up and down the bar and I was like, do you really have an ACL injury? Then Kim Little came in. Fire. She was very professional at what she did. Really? Not yeah. just renovating flats, but also pulling pipes. In out, job done. She was fantastic. <laughs> but I think, yeah, in the lead up to it, everyone was walking down. Everyone had the flags going. There was the crowd, the noise, the atmosphere, the band were insane. Walking around the sort of pitch side, you know, giving it big beans on the trumpets, the trombones. You had the snares going. It just... And it was, yeah, the sunshine was out and I think everyone was maybe a little bit tipsy and I had a couple of pints and stuff in the bar and I won't say that I was, I, you know, I, I didn't partake in a few myself, but it just felt like a really good atmosphere and not necessarily just the Arsenal fans, but I mean, there was like, what, four Wolfsburg's fans? No, there, was a, the there was a couple of hundred of them in their corner in their illuminous green. Yeah, really? give them credit. Yeah, they were really? good. I mean, well. I was sat near them so I could hear them. Arsenal, I just felt so disappointed. Uh, obviously, 3-2 Wolfsburg, game went into extra time it looked like it was heading to penalties and then an error at the back and Lotta Wubamoy more than anything I just feel sorry for her because she'd had an absolutely stellar outstanding game robust defensively I think they were all robust defensively I think Rafaela had an amazing game Lotta had an amazing game Jem Beatty an amazing game Manuela Zinsberger wasn't called into action too much but I think she had an amazing game as well so yeah defensively they were very robust and I don't think Wolfsburg necessarily seemed like they were on point I was expecting a little bit more from from Wolfsburg especially in the opening half but yeah I thought that was um, it was very unfortunate for for Lotto I think that's going to stay with her for a little bit but yeah the entire 118 minutes it was a phenomenal game of football. This is it. Like she had a fantastic game and everything, you're going to remember that because that's ultimately what allowed Wolfsburg to win. But, you know, you've got to look back at the fact that Arsenal had the ball in the back of the net four times. Yeah. Like Stina Blackstenius technically put the ball in the back of the net three times. Um, and two of those times, I think whoever passed the ball was offside. Um, and then there was another one, Lotta had the ball in the back of the net herself. You know, you can't pinpoint everything on one mistake when so many other things, you know, we talked about it last week or the mm-hmm. other week about inches, right? Like there were so many little things that just didn't go their way. If KJ McCabe's whipped in shot had been a couple of inches lower, and it, it would have gone in and not hit the crossbar. So do you think that was a shot or a cross? It's KJ McCabe, it's a shot. Do you reckon? 100%. Yeah. It just looked too whipped because it whipped away from the bar like that. And I, I just think that that was, that was a delivery. It's but- McCabe. She was up for it. She wanted to get the winner. She was like, forget this plane and into the box. I'm just going to whip it. So I would, I would reckon it was, a, it was a shot. But I just feel like it's so hard to not focus on that one error. But you have to look at all the other little things, all the other moments where they could have won the game. And even if that ball hadn't gone in um, and Bremer hadn't scored doesn't mean Arsenal would have won the game. Mm-hmm. It just means they probably would have gone to penalties and who knows how that would have went. So, yeah, it's. I know, I'm sure she'll be feeling gutted, but what was lovely was 
Miedema and Williamson both hobbled as fast as they could across the pitch, made a beeline for Lotta Wubben-Moy at the end of the game. That was their priority. Um, and then Idevel as well, like shook the ref's hands and made a beeline for Lotta. And, and Blackstenius was there as well. Like there is a lovely, and it's the same at Chelsea, there's a real vibe about the team, about working and fighting for each other. And obviously, I guess injury does that for you. And we were talking about this, about both teams have had players who were probably not meant to be mm-hmm starting players when they were brought in and they've come in and they're doing a job that they probably weren't expecting to have to do like when Black Stenius went off at 60 odd minutes everyone was like what the hell you've got to keep her on the pitch she's amazing she's their best chance to score where is she going and like when you think about over the the months the criticism she's faced from people about how she can't score and now we're all crying out that she's going off the pitch turns out she tweaked her quad but like you've been a player You, you know those moments where you have to step up like the fight, what is it that just gives you that extra edge? I think because the the opportunities that you get are so far and few between. And I think especially for a goalkeeper, I mean, you're rarely going to be called into action unless it's maybe a cup game or it's a you know a red card or an injury or whatever it is. And I think when you have a moment like that, the only thing that you can do is play your absolute best because you've got nothing to lose at this point. I mean, you have an absolute shitter, you're back on the bench again, or you have an absolute worldie. And actually you put yourself in a really competitive position where you're fighting for that that shirt. And I think, you know, Sina Blatsinius, I think, I mean, she started the season fairly strong, got stronger and stronger. And then with Mida Miedemar being out, I feel like actually it's kind of brought the focus into her and she's relished the limelight. I think she's relished the opportunity. And I think she's now proved herself as one of Arsenal's, if not Arsenal's star striker at the moment. I think she she was so much of an attacking threat, so much of a presence. She was putting Wolfsburg to shame in some of the uh, the deliveries that she was, you know, in the positions that she was getting herself into. I mean, that one-on-one through on goal, I thought, absolutely incredible. I think that was just, um, for me, it was a bit of a, a Stina, Stella moment that game um so yeah I couldn't understand why she'd why she'd been pulled off I thought that was a that was ridiculous but now that I know she's obviously had that injury but it was um, a game changer it felt like it just when she went off like no disrespect to her take but I felt like that's in my head I was like they're not going to get this back because I just didn't feel like her take was able to offer what Stina offered you know it didn't feel like they were going to have as much chance on goal or as much accuracy on goal you know I spoke to a friend of the pod Alex Abasetta afterwards mm-hmm. and we were like you know maybe we would have put Cool in the midfield and, and thrown Freedom on him yeah. uh, um, up front and yeah I just for me that was the turning point in the game even though Beats obviously got that header that was a turning point because I feel like there were moments that they had after Black Sennies had gone off that had she been on the pitch she would have scored I just think Hurtig, I'm going to be really honest and, and quite critical here, was flat. I know, yeah, she's not on full form at the moment, but she didn't offer any kind of attacking outlet. There was no option there. And I think you're right. As soon as Hurtig came on, and the physicality for me wasn't there. There was nothing, to, there was no hold up play. There was no spark from her. There was no kind of energy. Um, and I think that, I think, I think that was a game changer. I think from that point onwards, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, they've come out here with a sort of squad that's been patched together for this game, but Hertig is that's not the right choice. I mean, obviously Arsenal didn't have a lot of choices. They had kids on the bench, you know, so, but yeah, I just, it's a difficult one because especially coming back from injury, she's not match fit. Um, and I think what Stina Blackstenius has proven over the last few months, I've been a big supporter of, of hers um, for the last few months. I just felt like she needed a bit of time. She was obviously getting a lot of crit- criticism because she wasn't putting away every opportunity, mm-hmm. but equally, I don't think she was getting the right 
credit for the hold-up play and all the other work she does off the ball. What I felt she'd lacked the last few months was that physicality and my God has that come on in leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. That first goal came from her being physical and bullying someone off the ball and she was so good at that yesterday. She was not giving up every opportunity even if she kind of knew the the goalkeeper was going to get to it. She pushed and pushed and pushed and I think you know, the goals she's scored, she's scored in big games. She scored in the Conti Cup semi-final against Manchester City. She scored in the Conti Cup final. Like, yeah, she's not maybe scored as many goals as Arsenal would have liked, but she scored when it matters. Yep. Um, and I think that's quite a uh, the, the stark difference in her and, say, Alina Hurtig, which I don't think they're necessarily a direct comparison, player for player, but that's what kind of lacked then when that substitution was made. Was It just didn't feel like we had the same, Arsenal had the same physicality in the box and, and pressuring the ball in the same way. Uh, I've also got to talk about the other error from uh, Arsenal, Maritz, uh, the foul, yellow card, 41 minutes, just before half-time. Arsenal put in an absolute cracking performance and it was just such an unnecessary foul. It was a deep free kick delivered in, uh, headed to the edge of the box and it was just like the road strike. I mean, there was nothing that, that Zinsberg could do about it. The ball bounced awkwardly and it went through a, a hell of a lot of bodies to, to get into that uh, bottom right corner. But I just think it was such a bad moment for the squad, but it also, it wasn't a turning point. It wasn't a, you know, the the crowd didn't go flat. The Arsenal side didn't go flat. It felt like actually when they came into the second half, I don't know what Idaville had said, but he, and it had given them maybe some Huel, maybe some Lucasade, <laughs> maybe something else. But I mean, when they came back out into that second, it was it was a matter of seconds before they'd put the ball in the back of net, before it was obviously went to VAR. And VAR was having a, an absolute oh field God, day they got itself. their money's worth out of VAR. <laughs> so we haven't used it enough at all in this Champions League. So let's just lose, use it for every single decision. Basically. I'm assuming the Emirates must have a quota for VAR um, that they and have to fulfill. And they've used it all up their year's worth just yesterday. I mean, there's an Arsenal game, there's an Arsenal men's game on the stadium today, so I'm assuming it's probably broken for that. So um, yeah, it was it was a lot, but um, yeah, and I think the other attacking threat, especially from Wolfsburg, was uh, Jon Stotter. I thought down She's that amazing. wing. It was it was magic to watch. I mean, there was someone on socials who had said, "Okay, I think Jon." There was a there was a dribbling movement that she did, and it went through about four or five Arsenal players before she took a shot. Someone said, "Oh, like she's going to use that as her entire highlights reel." It was beautiful. Um, but again, Wolfsburg, I don't think made the most of that option going into the second half because I thought that was such a good yeah. attack attacking line. Yeah, 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 she is fantastic. But also, you have to factor in Alex Pop being back. Oh, like, God, do we have when to I, talk about Pop? When I saw that? her on the team sheet, I was like, "Oh, like." this could be a problem and of course it was and she set up Jill Ward's goal and scored the second she is inevitable she's one of those players that is just inevitable that header um, yeah and so she, annoying that near post header was just un- unnecessary unnecessary to do that and it was like that was another Arsenal mistake as well I mean there was three players around her and no one got close enough and that is the one person that you want to mark in that kind of position that wasn't good enough it's look it's the same with Chelsea when you're playing these like quality European teams you just can't make mistakes and that's like a really difficult thing to do you know and that's what happened with Arsenal there were individual errors but it's it's that's why Champions League is so tough is is who can hold out the, the longest who can make the least amount of errors who can execute their game plan to the best of their ability and you know despite all of the injuries and like we've got to talk about the fact that it looks like Wienreuter for Arsenal probably has done her ACL because mm. what other injury is there for an Arsenal player to do um, she was only on the pitch about 18 minutes it was bad and that knee planted and did an unpleasant look and it mm. just gave out from underneath her and she was down and she knew straight away and I mean God I feel for the Arsenal players there's about four of them around her like straight away it's like they, they just know um, so she was stretched off but like in the you add that level of adversity on top of execute the game plan you're playing a top quality team you're in front of a sold out crowd like there's so many elements 
that impact you and and yeah like I mean I imagine you tell me you're a player it's hard to just never make a mistake I mean God knows I've made a fair few of them in goal and they've been very bloody obvious um, thanks for you know reminding me of all the my happy memories at, I thought you were going to say no I never made a mistake not I <laughs> <laughs> weird that I never got the call up for England there was just it was just a faultless 11 years of playing um, no it is obviously hard you know you don't want to get into that pitch you don't want to make a mistake you don't want to let your teammates down and I think that was that was the hard I got quite emotional actually watching Lotta I think at the end of the game when she was in tears there were so many people around her and I think um, I, I don't want that to and obviously like she's obviously vying for the Lionesses positions as well like she I mean that's going to be sitting and playing on her mind that you know she's had this absolutely stellar game but the headline point is Lotta's defensive error and I really hope that isn't the focus of what we're we see in the narratives coming out I think like I wouldn't if for Lotta I wouldn't worry about that being the thing that doesn't get her into England I mean mm. you know Mary Earps had a howler against Brazil and another one against Man United doesn't mean she's not Stop one of the best doesn't it. mean she's not one of the best goalkeepers in the world this is the point like they're individual errors they don't kind of define you as a player and I know it sounds super cliche but it's true like you can't talk about like you can't talk about the error she made without talking about the fact that she played 118 minutes of really good football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's different though for someone like Mary Earps, who is an established number one lioness. True. Like you make a fuck, you make. Can I say fuck up? We swear all the time. Okay. Welcome to upfront. Where have you been? <laughs> Hello, I'm Irish. Every I was second like, well, word. You don't know the age of the audience that we are now reaching. Okay, <laughs> block your ears, children. She's about to swear. <laughs> Can we put like a disclaimer before Beep. that? Yeah, um, yeah. If you make a fuck up and you're England's number one and you've had an absolutely robust season and not put a foot out of place, yeah, fine. You make an error. You've got a bit of leeway. You've got some credit in your bank. But I think for Lotta, who is someone who is trying to break into the lionesses, well, not break into the lineup, but she's trying to get that starting position, a mistake like that probably does play in your mind a little bit more. I'm sure it plays in her mind, but. My point is that Serena Wiegmann isn't going to look at that and say, oh, she made a mistake. Get one out. Mistake. <laughs> Get out. They, they need defenders. So I don't think one mistake is going to be the thing that kind of drops you from the squad. But look, that's easy to say. I'm sure she's she just feels like shit. Well, another player we've got to touch on, our fan favourite, Jen Bloody Beattie. Uh, also the favourite of ex-Love Island contestant, Amber. Uh, who put out this amazing, amazing tweet uh, saying, I've just been told to sit down. Excuse me, my girlfriend just scored a header, <laughs> which was a vibes tweet. I think uh, a lot of people appreciated that. It was so nice and lovely to hear. Um, yeah, just just the, the the connection that those two have, a little bit of an insight into their relationship. Um, and obviously, Jen Beattie had a, a marvellous game scoring that amazing header, but also being a defensive unit at the back she was channeling kind of like a Millie Bright type energy back there and I really rated it um, airily strong I tell you what if someone had told Jan Beattie at the beginning of the season that she'd be playing 120 minutes in the Champions League semi-final this season I don't think she would have believed it but you know what a shift she put in and, and Jonas I mean to be fair I think maybe she came off in the 119th minute uh, but Jonas said you know every player brings something to this squad like there's nobody on there just warming the bench um, and every player is going to bring something and, and he trusts every single player to do the, their job and, and Jen just proves that. Yeah, and I think um, it was credit to the squad depth, I think, with Arsenal and I think um, had they fielded their strongest starting eleven, had everyone been fit, had everyone been well, I think this could have been an Arsenal win. I think we could have seen them in the final facing Barca. I'm not saying they would be winning that, but I would be saying they'd be making it. Yeah, it's it's a really hard one to call because the mentality that they've developed around this squad, this kind of fight 
or die, this kind of ride or die attitude has come in. We've seen it with Chelsea as well because of the injuries. They've had to pull together. They've had to fight for each other. They've had to dig so, so deep and do things they probably didn't think they'd have to do. And you don't know whether you would necessarily get that if you aren't facing that level of adversity. But equally, you'd have, you know, star players playing where they're supposed to play in top form. So, you know, they very well could have gone just as far. You do kind of ask yourself if your Mees, your Kim Littles, your Leas, your Vivs had been on the on the pitch last night, would it have been a different story? And, and I'm sure it would have been. But I think the shift for me for both teams this season has been the mentality. And I think in the past we've seen them wilt under the pressure or wilt under the kind of coming up against such dominant teams that have beaten them in the past. And they, they kind of, th- that fear creeps in. And I mm-hmm. think that's been such a massive shift. And I actually think that's down to the fact that they've had to fight so hard for each other throughout the season. Massively. It is that kind of, not an underdog mentality, but they've been through so much adversity together. I think it does strengthen you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's disappointing in a way or a little bit scary that an Arsenal side that looked so strong against Wolfsburg that could have easily made the Champions League final now look like they're in a position in the WSL table where they might not even be making European football next year. And I think, um, I mean, just looking at the table at the moment, they're currently fourth. They've got, they've played 17 games, 38 points. Um, but two wins could easily take them into second again um, if they get those two games. Uh, they've got two games in hand to, to Man City and Man United. Um, it's, it could um, come down to goal difference with between them and Man City for that third spot. Yeah, massively. And the goal difference is bloody tight. Arsenal on 29, Chelsea on 28, Man City on 26. Man United, obviously, taking it away with 39. But it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to, to those May, these May games. I keep thinking it's, it's still April and it's, it's not. It's bloody it's May. It's going to be May. Oh my, don't even. What the, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think seeing how Arsenal come back on Friday night will be a real teller. Same with Chelsea tomorrow night. Um, I think they play Liverpool. You know, can they get they, rid of their kind of Champions League disappointment? And they couldn't have a better game lined up. Leicester. I don't know. Leicester have just won four nil. Yeah, but against Liverpool, the Arsenal side that just played just then. You think they're going to have any difficulties against Leicester? The Arsenal no offense, side Leicester. who've just been sucker punched and kicked out of the Champions League at the last minute. I'm they just, love adversity. They thrive on adversity. So long as Steena's injury isn't that bad, then fine. But like, you just, I just, that's my point is the game after these disappointments for both of those teams will be really, really telling. Okay. I'm not saying they're not going to win. I'm just saying I, I'm, I can't, I'm looking forward to seeing how they both bounce back from this. Easily okay. is my take. Right. Right. Thanks for that deep analysis there. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Always here for the deep dives. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Barca, Chelsea, uh, 1-1, but 1-2 on aggregate. Uh, Barca obviously heading through to the Champions League final. Uh, Hansen scoring in the 63rd minute, Ryson in the 67th. Um, yeah, the draw at New Camp wasn't enough, and I think it was always going to be an uphill battle. When you've got a crowd like that at Camp Nou, it's a lot. We knew that. We knew that going into the second leg, that this was going to be bloody difficult yeah and Emma Hayes said it actually though that the game was lost in the first leg which is true statistically and factually but you know the performance they put in at Camp Nou like massive massive credit to Chelsea because obviously going to be difficult going there Barcelona had some something like 79 home games unbeaten which is absolutely incredible um, and in isolation Chelsea breaking that mm. is really bloody impressive yeah. and drawing at New Camp, 1-1. If you told them that again, beginning of the Champions League, you're going to draw 1-1 with Barcelona at Camp Nou. You'd be like, bloody hell, this is incredible. Um, but obviously that Stamford Bridge result is what killed them. And I thought it's such a gamble. Like me and some of the other journalists, we were chatting about this after the game. Like, when do you roll the dice? You're playing the best team in the world. You need to stay in the tie, which they'd done. When do you go for it? And it felt like Chelsea just left it a little bit too late. And... Obviously, you know, Barcelona get the goal and Chelsea turn around and score almost immediately four minutes later. And you just wonder, I reckon they were probably trying to get to 70 minutes and then they were going to go for it in the last 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I still think credit to to Chelsea. They did well. Barcelona were time wasting. You know, they they were kind of had them. Emma Hayes said they were nervous. Of course they were. They want to get to a Champions League final. Um, but equally, I do think Barca were the better side in, in terms of, you know, possession and chances they just looked the more threatening but I just think yeah hats off to Chelsea for staying in the tie the way they did and it was just a really like it's in isolation it was such a like prideful performance a performance that you could take pride in and it was just a shame that in the first leg it had been lost well I think if we look at the progression of this Chelsea side since that defeat uh, in 2021 and then we look at like you said a Chelsea that is keeping the one of the, if not the best team in the world at bay, at home, in front of a massive bloody crowd against all odds, with their own injuries as well. I think that was that was a stellar performance when you take that, just those headline points in isolation. I think, yeah, I don't think they learned from the mistakes of the first leg. I think Caroline Graham Hansen still allowed her to run riot. And I think, you know, when you've got a player like that, of her quality who's obviously, I know she had her sort of injuries and things like that, but she she's never looked so bloody strong. But what do you do with her? She's unbelievable. You take her out. You're a, <laughs> No, I don't mean like that. Oh my Jesus. God. I don't mean take her out and injure her. Sniper I mean, in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you mark the hell out of her. You stay close. You double. You double mark up. You you give At her hell. At what cost when you're playing Barcelona, though? Physicality. You, that is a player that you need to wipe out, and I mean wipe out tactically. I don't mean wipe out physically. But you're tactically trying to wipe out like there are eleven players. It's not like she's the one star player. But you've got to prioritize then. You've got to who's gonna who's gonna pose the biggest threat? Is it gonna be the player who in the first leg scored within three minutes oh, that with that whipped round disgusting shot? Or is it gonna be someone on the defensive line? Like you've got to I get that, but I feel like with Barcelona, you know, if you if you And who scored? If I yeah. But if you dampen down one player, then the other one just fucking it's like shines. Like, yeah. You just Do you know what I mean? It's not like pops up. it's not like you can like <laughs> mark her out of the game and then you've got, you know, less threats I just feel like another one pops up somewhere but then um, it's not like you hit Graham Hansen and then Puteas pops up she wasn't there okay <laughs> she wasn't there they could have brought her on <laughs> no but I think she was fuming that she didn't get on I think she looked ready and raring to go and obviously the crowd were there pretty much for her um, and I, she did look a little bit moody on the bench probably because they drew but no I mean yeah Caroline Graham Hansen is just so technically gifted like she just makes it look so easy and I was lucky enough to have her on my side when I was shooting in the, in the first half and yeah you're just it's, she makes she's hard to shoot because you just find yourself just in watching all. yeah and actually <laughs> Barcelona are hard to shoot I had Sophie say this to me the other day when she had to photograph instead of me and she was like oh they move so fast and I'm like oh you get used to it. it's like anticipation bloody hell Barcelona moves so fast they're so mm. hard to shoot that Rapid. like you finally get yourself set up and they pass the ball again um, it's those teeny tiny little triangles <laughs> yeah. those teeny tiny little passages of play but the fact that Chelsea did what they did with Millie Brighton Buchanan out of their back line. Mm-hmm. Like, credit to Ericsson and, and um, Maren Mielda who stepped up. Maren Mielda was I thought was really, really good. Unreal. Yeah. Very good defensive partnership. Solid emergency defender and there was a lot of emergency defending. And there's going to be. Like, you're never going to play Barcelona and not have to emergency defend. Like, <laughs> it doesn't mean, like, you're bad. It's not like, a failure. I mean, I know Emma Hayes said that the better team lost, um, which <sighs> I think a lot of us will struggle to get uh, on board with. I think Chelsea could have won it. They had you know, opportunities to win it, but equally so to Barcelona. Five shots and three on target and Barcelona had 14 with two on target. So I I can understand, like, she'll sit there and say, like, we could have won it potentially, but I just, I, I wouldn't agree that the better side lost. Um, Yeah, that was maybe... It, it looked to me like Emma Hayes had set up too conservatively I think for a game like that I mean we were talking before you said you use that lovely analogy of roll the dice okay but the the gamble for me wasn't there I was like going into that second leg you literally have nothing to lose I was like you need to commit more players forward and I got the impression that players were a little bit nervous to do that just in case they went forward and then were exposed at the back and I, and it, it didn't feel like the same kind of mentality that oh we've gone one down so therefore it's going to be three four five nil whatever it was I just think they they needed to be a little bit more Bullshy. Devil's ad punchy. If you were 2 0 down or 3 0 down from the first leg, 100%, you have to throw everything at it. You're only 1 0 down. You need one goal to take this tie forward. And I think Chelsea were probably gambling on rather than, say, going for the early goal and trying to hold on to it and like angering the Barcelona beast. They were trying to stay in the tie for as long as possible and hoping to get a late goal. And but that's teams a risk. don't do this enough with no. Barcelona. They yeah. shit themselves and yeah. stay back and park the bus. And I think what would happen if you had a Chelsea side that had come out of there, all guns blazing, and high-pressed the hell out of Barcelona for the first half? What could have happened? 
True, but then you got to factor in like um, Arsenal that Chelsea have played so many fixtures with ch- such a thin squad and, and how much do they have in them to be able to do that against a Barcelona squad that are going to have so much of the ball. But when you look at possession, Chelsea had 46% possession, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive against a Barcelona squad. So sure. I don't think they fully just sat back to try and absorb the pressure. No. Um, I think they, you know, obviously they were trying to get it on the counter-attack and stuff. But I, I it's hard to... It's hard to criticise Emma Hayes' game plan too much because I just think it was about the timing of when they gambled mm-hmm. for me. Um, because otherwise, I think to, to come out of Camp Nou with a 1-1 draw, you've done something tactically right. Yeah. Well, going into the Champions League final, uh, we've now got Wolfsburg and Barcelona for the matchup. I mean... I don't want to be too bold about my predictions, but I would 100% put my entire flat on Barca walking away with a victory, um, especially given Wolfsburg performance against Arsenal. I think Barca can look at that and think, OK, well, if Arsenal can do it with a depleted squad, I think we're going to be OK. you got to factor in as well that Alexi Bateas will most likely be back. She's back playing now. She'll be back for this one. Horrendously bad timing for Wolfsburg. Horrendous. Um yeah, I would. I would say Barca. Um, I, I maybe wouldn't be quite so uh, strong as you. I think. Really? Yeah, I think. I'm pretty bold. You are very bold, always. Um, I do think finals are different. You know, Wolfsburg are a very, very good squad. Arsenal credit to them tested Wolfsburg, but I also feel like you have to give Arsenal credit for that rather than say it was Wolfsburg not playing great. I think Wolfsburg have a different level in them. They've got some unbelievable players. Um. So, yeah, I, I still think Barca will win it, um, but it will be a tasty, tasty tie. What's interesting, though, and what's a shame is you're looking at Wolfsburg, who had, I think they had 28,000 at their game. And Arsenal obviously sold out 60,000. Barcelona had 72,000 at their Chelsea game. Incredible. Um, and Chelsea, of course, at Stamford Bridge with tens of thousands, the tens of, was it 10, 20 something thousand? I think 20. So, the yeah. final is going to be in a stadium that holds about 35,000. That's a shit show. It's just a real shame when you're seeing such progression. Um, I mean, the atmosphere, I'm assuming, will be brilliant. Um, ticket sales obviously went on ahead of before people actually knew who was playing in it. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it would have been great to see them at a, at a bigger stadium. But I reckon it's a, it's potentially another Champions League for Barca. Gosh, another trophy to add to the Barca cabinet. It must be absolutely in. I mean, it's. I mean, it must be. They must have to reinforce it. They, they probably just bought an IKEA. Do you reckon? Yeah, and they just, just store a warehouse. There. Yeah, for all their <laughs> trophies. Some more juicy fixtures in the WSL. I mean, it's easy to forget the WSL even went on this weekend with all the Champions League drama that's been taking place. Uh, we'll do a quick mention for Villa. I mean, they put up a bloody good fight against Man United. That got a bit hairy. Uh, Man United just about walking away with three points after a 3-2 win. Um, I mean, Millie Turner for the last minute winner. Who'd have thought it? Um, It was dramatic, but it was spicy. And it was credit to Aston Villa and like the threat that they are posing to the top four. They are... They're disruptors. They are disruptors themselves in Liverpool. They've got a lot of games lined up in the next um, three or four weeks that have the potential to win and determine the league. It was crazy. I mean, what were your thoughts, Rach? What what a fixture. Oh, the dra- the amount of drama. We had relegation drama this weekend and we had title drama as well. And it was who said it? Maybe it was Carlo or Marcus. Someone said, you know, this is what champions do. This is what makes you a champion. When you're in these situations, you're pretty much down and out. You think, you know, the game is over. 
it's never over. And it's never over until that final whistle goes. And Man United showed that. And that's what they've been lacking in previous seasons is that belief and that winning mentality, mm. which they, they have now. And that is why they're top of the league and have been top of the league for so long. I mean, Chelsea leapfrogged them briefly as well. But, you know, this that game could be a turning point in terms of the end of the season. And and oftentimes we can identify little things. Last season it was Arsenal losing to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. This season, potentially, it could be this game. I think, um, I know I don't like to talk about Man United too much. No, I, you I, never. I never. I never really do that a lot. Um, so this is quite unusual. Go on. Yeah, I just, I want to take this rare opportunity um, to sort of talk about how dominant that was. I mean, yes, it was hairy, but it, you could talk about the kind of mentality monsters and blah, blah, blah. But Manchester United now are proving every single time, every single time they've got to pick up those points, they now do it. I mean, with that win, they've now equaled their highest ever WSL points tally with three games remaining. Uh, Chelsea are now seven points behind with three games in hand. They are pretty much the only ones who I see causing an upset, but the onus is now on them. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure uh, to be putting on Chelsea because they've got to win those fixtures. Manchester United have now set the bar at this level. Chelsea, come and meet us. Yeah, but I think many would say they'd rather have it in their own hands than to be relying on others. So, you know, we've seen Chelsea do it before, but absolutely, Manchester United are doing absolutely everything they can. And I think, like I said, like that's what kind of turns teams from challengers to to winners. So, yeah, it's God, you couldn't ask for more drama, could you? No, I think it's it's slowly becoming, dare I say, it, a kind of a two horse race. And Man United, Chelsea, not saying Man City. You can't say we can't rule out Man City, but if we're going to go back to the uh, the old Grand National analogy, okay, it on. looks like Man United and Chelsea are edging ahead. Man sure. City briefly held up at a hedge okay. and Arsenal struggling now to see round the bend. Right. Yeah? Sure, I would I would be yeah. on board with that analogy if they'd all played the same number of games. Okay, fine. But given they haven't, it's it's hard to entirely rule anybody out. This is the current picture. Okay. Okay. That's what we're going with for our analogy fine. For this week. Oh, that was a shit one this week. That was, oh, because I came up with it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, Man United have uh, Tottenham to play uh, on Sunday. Chelsea have Liverpool tomorrow, so we probably should be picking up points from that. Chelsea then have Everton again Sunday, uh, and then Leicester City on the tenth of God. They've got quite games a few fi- galore. That is three fixtures for them in a week. So that that in itself is a little bit of a dangerous factor because we know how much Emma Hayes likes to talk about loading and how much recovery time the players get so it'll be interesting to see how they also know how much people like to talk about how much they love these battles and these challenges and they relish playing in all these competitions so well a lot of tasty games lined up but we'll keep you updated with uh, obviously the football but also more importantly mine and Rachel's analogies (laughs) Uh, Rach where are you going to be this weekend what are you up to Uh, we've got Chelsea tomorrow. Yes. And then I am at Brighton, West Ham. And I know Arsenal are playing Leicester on Friday, but I may watch that from the couch. Lovely. Well, it is a bank holiday weekend. King Charles uh, coronated this weekend. So I know where everyone will be. Not watching the football, but watching... Not in London. Our uh, our popular monarch um, take his rightful place at the centre of an outdated... um, <laughs> this, this podcast has turned. We've got you who doesn't like the royal family and an Irish person, and you obviously know how I feel about the royal family. But anyway, <laughs> well, this weekend is my first weekend off because the championship has finished. Well done, Bristol. Well done, Bristol. Amazing run. Uh, congratulations. Welcome back to the WSL. It'll be interesting to see how you get on. I just saw they've announced actually about a whole host 
of players leaving the Bristol City squad. So it'd be really interesting over the summer to see what their transfer uh, situation is saying and what kind of budget they've got because it's going to be bloody tough up there. Yeah, but also an example of just how tight the championship was. Mm. I went to the Birmingham-Bristol game the weekend and oh, Birmingham yeah. won 2-0. So they finished the league a point behind Bristol and they I think they beat Bristol both times they played this season. It just shows you mm. how close the season as a whole was. I would caveat that and say Bristol probably didn't give a shit about that game. They, I mean, I don't know who... I, I didn't catch the game and I don't know what players they put out but I can't imagine I, they were I like... Was there. Was I mean? Was it like? Did it Bristol was good. Care? It was a good fight. Yeah. Really. I just I just think as an example of how tight the league is, you know, it's a testament to the championship. Basically, is what I was trying to do, and you've just shot all over it. So. Well, now we've got the new FA announcement with the uh, the Southern and the Premier National League teams going up into the championship. I don't think it's long before we're going to see two championship teams going up to the WSL. That's going to increase competition. That's going to make it a much more exciting league with two spaces available for for the championship side. So, yeah, just on a roundabout point, I'll bring it back round and say, yeah, actually, it's positive. Let's end on a positive. Thanks, Claire. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We've got a special bonus episode for you on Thursday, an interview with none other than football agent Joe Tung, who represents some of the biggest names in the game. You know it. You know it's us. You know it's us. We've been looking forward to this interview for ages, so definitely give it a listen. It's a really insightful chat about the women's football industry as a whole and a fascinating peek behind the curtain of how deals are done at the top level. Uh, if you've got any questions for us before then, please tweet us at Football Ramble. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and I am at Morgie underscore 89. See you on Thursday. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.